Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today is a super special episode because I have not just one, but two guests. And in fact, uh, our guest host today is going to be Steve Goldberg. He is the new chief revenue officer at SalesLoft. He's been here less than 90 days. And if you're going to wonder why I said less than 90 days, I'm going to tell you why. It's because our surprise second guest is Michael Watkins. Welcome, Michael. Great to be here. He's the author of of an amazing book called Your First 90 Days. So our topic today is going to be your first 90 days as a sales leader. Uh, In addition to that, he is the co-founder of Genesis. They are a leadership development firm. He's a professor at the IMD Business School in Switzerland. And it's just an absolute joy to have Michael on. So uh, Michael is the author of this amazing book, and we've got a CRO in his first 90 days. So I thought there'd be nothing better than to have a little live coaching session and uh, Michael, I'm just gonna we're just gonna jump in. I'm gonna hand it right over to you. Well, great, and thank you. And just really delighted to be here. And this is fun, right? Because this is actually what I do some of. So we're gonna do a little demo. You're already six weeks in, right? And so there's a bunch of things that have already happened. But listen, how do you feel things are going so far? They're going great. And I'm at the point as you get to the first 30 days, you really try to understand the current situation of where the organization's at. So I've been really spending my time trying to get grounded and get a really good understanding of where they're at. And and one of the things that I've always taken away from the book, there's a series of questions that are past, present and future that you ask and you go cross-functionally. I've gone across the organization and asked those questions. And that really has helped me understand and just get grounded. That's great. One of the first things I try to encourage people to do is be pretty organized about your learning process, right? What are those learning priorities? How can you speed up the learning process? You know, who are the best sources of insights? You, you did that, and that's fantastic, right? And of course, it's a moving target. You're going to learn more. You're going to generate hypotheses. Eventually, you're going to start to make some decisions. But that's a real foundation, right, for making a successful transition is doing a good job of learning. And frankly, also being seen to be engaging effectively in the learning process is a way to build credibility for yourself. So one of the things I want to ask you a little bit about, so... One of the important things as you think about making a transition into a new job is really what kinds of transitions are you going through? You know, clearly you're joining a new company. Is this a promotion, right? Is it a move in terms of your function? And so just trying to kind of get a sense of what's challenging about this particular transition for you. Yeah, so I would say it's a bit of a promotion. As you say, the first thing you need to do is promote yourself, right? And so... I feel like everything I've done up in my career, I started off as a a business development rep, inside salesperson, moved in an enterprise salesperson. Um, I've been fortunate enough in my career to learn. I have some really great mentors. I've been really smart about the decisions I've made in terms of career changes and job changes. And and I moved into management. I was fortunate enough to work at a really fast growing company, salesforce.com. I spent about 10 years there and really saw the company grow. And then as you know, we, we started to grow and develop, we really implemented process and change and structure. And that was a way that really differentiated us, us from everybody else. We would figure out what our strengths are in the market and we would build and design a sales process based on what our strengths are so everybody was competing with us. I moved on in that career and I moved my mentors to multiple different companies. When this opportunity came along, with sales off, I was very happy in, in the job that I was in. I was working with people I've worked with for many, many years. And when this opportunity came along in this space, 
to be a CRO and to bring the revenue organization under one team. One, I was very comfortable with this domain. I love the culture of the company and it just fit my skill set really well into a market that I was very comfortable with. You know, and then COVID hit. And that was an interesting time as you're changing jobs in the middle of a global pandemic. But I really feel that it's an unfortunate situation, but our value prop resonates really, really well to help people be really effective in a time like this as they're migrating. So, right. There's actually multiple kinds of transitions going on for you here, right? And one is joining a new organization, right? You've done that before, you know the drill, you know that's about often about culture, it's about influence or relationships. We'll get back to talking a bit about that. You had a bit of a promotion, right? So, you know, I don't know if this is your first C-level job, but that is a separate piece of it, right? And so you've got to be asking yourself, well, what does that mean? And how do I maybe step up a little bit in terms of the presence or how I show up as a leader? Maybe is it different in terms of the leadership team that I'm a part of, right? Is it different in some way than it's been in the past? And then I, I think I heard you were pulling together previous separate elements, right? And so that suggests you're into a, a newly created role as opposed to an existing role. And so by my count, there's at least three significant transitions going on, right? Is that fair? Uh, yeah, that's accurate. And the reason to kind of focus on that is the more kinds of transitions you're going through, often the higher the risk and the more you need to really be focusing on doing the right things at the right time. Of those three that I mentioned to you, right, sort of onboarding versus being promoted versus the newly created role where you need to pull things together, which of those is the most challenging for you? Well, then you keep in mind that we're all doing this on Zoom as well and, and we're not in person. I would say with Zooms, it's like every meeting is very formal. And so you have to figure out how to be productive and keep people motivated, especially they're meeting me for the first time. I'm their new boss. Getting to really empathize with everybody and meeting everybody and trying to get productive has been a bit of a challenge in a world where you know, we're all working out of our homes. And that's probably been the biggest challenge. So another thing I would focus on with you, too, is the state of the business when you came in. Right. So when I wrote the first 90 days, one of the chapters is about something I call the STARS model, right? For startup, turnaround, accelerated growth, realignment, sustaining success. And the basic idea there is that the way you take charge is going to depend a lot on what you've inherited or more often the mix, right? Because there may be parts of what you have that are in different states. When you think about what you've inherited here, how are you, how are you seeing it? That's part of the first 30 days. You ask those questions, you start to understand the situation you're in. And where I've categorized this organization is sustaining success, but there is a bit of realignment with COVID taking place. And so it's, it's almost a bit of a combination of the two. And sometimes when, when things are great, sometimes you don't realize that there are some things you're missing. The company's grown extremely fast. There just hasn't been some structure and processes and operational discipline in place to help continue to scale off the sustaining success. And so our strategy here is really around, I would say, the sustaining success and being able to put some discipline in place to operationally and to scale the organization and grow it. Yeah, so it's a combination of kind of a base platform that's sustaining success, but a real opportunity to accelerate growth. And I think what you're saying is kind of a hallmark of that process, right, which is the organization hits a point, an inflection point where it's heading to a scale where it needs to be more structured and systematic, right? But of course, the organization doesn't necessarily get real excited about that happening because they've loved being small. They've loved being flexible. Is there any of that going on? Is there a little bit of, we like being kids. We don't want to grow up kind of thing happening. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is. And there's 
culture, it's really key. They have, we have a really strong culture. People are really excited about being at the company. When, when you look at this, there's a difference between getting everybody to agree versus getting everyone to align and commit. And you're never going to get everybody to agree. I'll spend the next two years trying to get everyone to agree. It's just not going to happen. But it's important to get everyone to align and commit to the process and the structure. And accountability around that is really important. And so that's really right now where I'm spending my time is, is getting the alignment of the organization around the process and the change and the commitment that this is what we're doing. And then you implement agile and iterative processes and structure that as the business, as you grow into it, you can shift right or left. So it sounds like a great challenge, a great opportunity. If you were going to distill down how you're going to create value here, what would you say? So you've got to come up with your, your kind of quick wins and your eight priorities. It can't be a game of whack-a-mole. And so really trying to keep the team focused around a 90-day plan and get the operational discipline in place. So then we start to have the data that we can start to make some shifts right or left. So that's priority number one. Like I, people come to me every day, every meeting I have, there's a new challenge to solve and a new problem to solve. And it's really important that you keep alignment around the problems you're trying to solve and you solve them, but you look for those quick wins while you're working on the broader, bigger challenges. And you have to be able to assess the impact of change. So to me, it's around the three things I talked about. It's focusing around operational discipline. Then we're going to move on to the next set of problems. This is a great point, right? Which is it's so easy to get dispersed if you're not careful, right? There's a world of things to do. I think the point about early wins is a really good one. You want to create a sense of momentum in the organization. Well, how exactly do you do that? How will you know when you've got those wins, Steve? What are you, what are you looking for? So visibility into data that we haven't had yet in a consistent way. Right now, there's many places to go for that. And then a common nomenclature on how we talk about the business. It's also implementing the cadence of meetings around the process. And then what comes after that is where are we going to start to point the arrow around growth? And what, what type of investments do we need to make? It's a great way to be thinking about it. What are the key alliances that you have and need to be building to be successful? Well, you negotiate success up front, set the right expectations, you know, how you style the conversations. But it's, it's really important to align with the CEO, the CFO, the CMO the head of product around a shared vision and get alignment around a shared vision and then start to negotiate success. So everybody knows what the targets are. Quite frankly, I think that's the hardest part of my job right now. It's getting alignment around the shift in thinking. I think everybody would agree that going on the offense is important, but, but how do you actually do that? Um, the investments you need to make to do that. Like sometimes you need to step back before you go forward. It's educating and validating that it's the right thing to do. You know, there's different ways you make decisions. You know, there's collaboration, consensus, command. And someone told me once that uh, the only thing you should get consensus on is where you're going to go have lunch. It's a great point. I remember there's a quote, something to the effect of, I don't know the formula for success as a leader, but I do know the formula for failure. And it's try to please everyone, right? So a couple of things, this is going to sound like a really funny question to you, but hopefully it'll make sense, right? So these days, I'm mostly coaching CEOs, and often they're first-time CEOs, internally promoted, perhaps, or they've been a divisional leader at a you know an organization, and now they're becoming the overall CEO of another organization, right? And they're always kind of surprised about 
how challenging it is, right? Even though they've had all this experience, even though they know the organization, perhaps the stepping up to the CEO role is really pretty challenging. And so early on, I looked them in the eye and say, okay, I'm pretty confident in your case, you're going to be a successful CRO. What are the capabilities you need to build to be a great CRO? Okay. And so you almost begin the conversation about leadership development early on in the transition coaching, if that makes sense. And so as you think about what you're learning and what you're doing, you know, what's your leadership development agenda at this point, Stephen? How are you thinking about it? That's a great question. It's what I'm thinking about quite a bit, actually, is um, you do need to enable your team to be successful and you can't do their job for them. You know, if you're a divisional vice president or divisional executive and you move to a CEO and you promote someone to take that job, you got to let them do that job. And if you continue to try to do that job, then you're not doing your job. So sometimes people go too deep into one part of the business instead of going thin and wide. For me, like my comfort level is I came from the enterprise sales. And naturally, it's easy for me to just jump into that part of the business and run that business. Um, But we have a great leader there. You got to let him do his job and help enable him and coach him why you can go focus on other parts of the business. So in my experience, though, what I've seen is that if you are finding yourself having to do that job more often, then you have to question your leader you have in that role. Right. So when I coach people, one of the questions I ask them is, what are you great at and absolutely love doing that you need to do less of? And what are you not so great at, right, or don't like doing so much that you need to do more of? Because if you get clarity about that, right? It really is very helpful, right? What do you need to let go of to be successful? What do you need to embrace to be successful? And it's a bit of a mental discipline, but if you don't do it, the risk is you're going to fall back into that comfort zone trap. And that's a really dangerous place to be. I've caught myself doing that. I've always been really good at the relationship and the deals and the customers and helping kind of navigate through, you know, really complicated deals. And I've found myself now trying to step back from that and helping coach the organization on scenarios. So if we can get, you know, let's go back to that system and the methodology we would use for that and implementing and architecting that methodology and not going just right into, like, it's very tempting not to get deep into a deal. But then if you do that, you're missing five other things that you need to be doing over there. And so it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge every day. So I've been very taken, I have to say, you've mentioned sort of mentors a number of times, and um, I'm a really big believer that leaders need to have strong advice networks, right? People that can give you advice and that it becomes only more important as you go higher, you know? And so when I work with CEOs, you know, there's that old, it's lonely at the top, you know, and people are like, yeah, yeah, it's lonely at the top. It's lonely at the top, right? You're a CEO, unless you have a good network of advisors, it can get very isolated, right? Because people are telling you what they think you want to hear. (laughs) They're angling to some degree for influence, right? And so getting unvarnished advice becomes increasingly precious. How have you thought about working with your mentors, leveraging that network, building that network? Because clearly you've you've given thought to it. I like to triangulate data often. And I also like to get people's advice that are in the situation so they know more about it or might've been, in the industry that they know more about the industry and then completely outside of the industry that don't know anything about the industry. And my wife is also a really good litmus test because um, 
she owns a business, but she knows me. I try to triangulate the data across all that so I can make my own decision. It's just such an important observation, Steve, right? This is part of what I think of as sort of managing yourself through the transition, right? And another big part of it for me is how you manage your energy through the transition, right? Because these are inevitably very demanding times. How do you think about managing your energy through all this? It's tough, especially when you go from call to call to call or Zoom to Zoom to Zoom. And to me, I think you have to take time to get some exercise and just to kind of step back and get your heart rate up a bit and, um, you know, time to think and and step back and evaluate. And I, I really try to do that as much as I possibly can. And and because it gives, just gives you that that time to just just decompress a bit. And it's especially now, even in this situation where it's like, usually you're going to the office. Now you're working in your room with your you know, kids running around and like your mental health is really important. And so it's, to me, it's really just trying to take that time. I do a lot of yoga that that's important to me or, or do like I have a Peloton and I've got to try to do that at least once a day or I'll, I'll lose my mind. I'm also I'm a big believer. I do some work with a a coach, um, a based coach who's developed this really nice set of thinking about energy management. And one of the things she points to is mini habits, incrementalizing it, doing some small stuff, right? It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be five minutes. Just get up and walk around, right? Or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And so, but I think the key thing here is just to understand that you've got energy reserves. You've got things that drain you. You've got things that recharge you. Make sure you're not constantly in drain mode, right? Because that's a really bad place to be. And recognizing, I think you you sort of alluded to it earlier, some self-awareness about where you are. Again, these are little things I do with people I coach, but I always recommend that at the end of each week, you take 15, 20 minutes. How am I feeling? What did I learn? What questions do I have? What am I going to work on next week? Just a little bit of reflection. And it doesn't have to be much time. I'm originally an engineer by training, right? I, I tell people I'm a recovering engineer, right? Still, still working on it. But I think one of the things that engineering gave me was a sort of systematic view of things. And I think it's, it helps to have those systems, those little disciplines that support you in, in times like this. The fact that you mentioned, Michael, that you're a recovering engineer is probably my cue to jump back in because I'm in the same category. I was a semiconductor engineer at the beginning of my career, and that systematic process driven nature has has never left me. And, and I also think ending on that note of, you know, it's not just about your what, what you do in your first nine days at work, but that you need to take care of yourself and your mental health and your family's health. I think all those things resonate. You guys touched on so many of the great topics in your book, but I, I think you just skimmed the surface because there, there's a lot in there. So for folks who are listening, I cannot recommend enough the first 90 days. It is hands down the best leadership book I think I've ever read. A few other great resources. Back in 2012, uh, Michael wrote a HBR article that I found just uh, absolutely stunning called How Managers Become Leaders. And Steve, uh, Michael, sorry, I think you you had a follow-on book that expanded on that topic, right? Master Your Next Move is sort of a companion to the first 90 days, and it really digs into different types of transitions in more detail. Like, okay, you're onboarding into an organization. How do you think about that? You've been promoted. How do you think about that? Right. You know, you're leading former peers. How do you think about it? So, you know, if the first 90 days is kind of the broad set of principles and frameworks, this is kind of a deeper dive into specific types of transition situations. But guys, it's been great. I really enjoyed Steve. It's been wonderful to meet. I think you, you seem to be on a great path going forward. You know, maybe I have a little bit to do with that, but I think most of it's to do with your attitude and, and sort of the, the energy that you bring to, to what you do. 
thank you for the opportunity and I really appreciate it. Thanks guys. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.